following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, welcome back to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Corey and I are in Tampa, St. Pete for the finale of the uh, series between the Twins and the Rays. Tomorrow, of course, is draft day. It's also an off day for the Minnesota Twins. And uh, that means it's time to talk a little bit about the draft. And to do so, well, there's only one guy to go to. That's the Twins Director of Amateur Scouting, Sean Johnson. And uh, just by way of warning, this is a conversation with Sean that is not happening today. Because, well, Sean's a little busy today. Because the draft kicks off tomorrow, the first of three straight days. And, Sean, first and foremost, thank you. I know that this coming week for you is absolutely chaotic. And so we appreciate any amount of time you can give us. But on top of that, I want to stick with the idea of time. There's going to be a bunch of players drafted on Monday, and they're going to be high school kids, junior college kids. Uh, they're going to be college kids. We see them as what they are now. When did you and your team of scouts first become aware of some of the players whose names we're going to hear on Monday? Was it three years ago? Was it five years ago? Was it even before that? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on today. And uh, uh, to answer your question, uh, the high school guys are usually when we – first see these guys play usually their junior summer sometimes it's their sophomore summers of high school so we have a year or two on the high school players which is kind of a sprint to get to know them in time to select them their senior year but uh, beyond that most of the college guys that we're going to go on the first day you know uh, on Monday we've seen those guys play since high school so we have a pretty good track record with the college players and even the junior college players and and again, the high school guys, we've got to get to know them pretty quickly. So that's why we spend a lot of time uh, all summer watching them at different events and showcases. And really any chance we get a chance to see them play and get on the field, we're there covering them, try to monitoring their progress because they, they change so much from year 17 to year 18 of their life. Uh, we, we, we follow the way their bodies are growing and changing and, you know, and, and the velocities coming on and all those sorts of things. Um, it happens, and it's it's a pretty fluid situation a lot with those guys. So, but we, we spend a lot of time on the high school players, and then the ones that don't sign, we have a pretty good uh, background on those players by the time they're a junior in college. Well, that has to make for some interesting conversations when maybe you're debating between a college guy or a high school guy because you can uh, envision potentially what a 17, 18 year old kid could be. But you've been in a long term relationship with some of these college kids for five or more sure. years. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a reason why I think teams tend to, to fish in the college pond because you know more about the player, you know more about them as a person. They've um, survived injuries to that point in time. So there's a lot more safety in that college pool. So uh, whether you take a Trevor Larnick or you take a Royce Lewis and they're, let's say they're in the same draft, it's there's upside versus certainty, and those are things that – we spend all week in the draft room debating and discussing and trying to sift through. One of the biggest questions I think people have about the draft and the baseball draft in particular, I think is, 
is such a mystery to so many because there are so many variables at play from from age, from competition level, uh, the various positions, all the projections. They're not going to jump into your big league lineup right away and be a major star. I think one of the big questions people have now is about the impact of of data and information because you want information as much as you can possibly have. And we now track every biometric movement of guys in the major leagues and the minor leagues but you can't necessarily do that for every draftable player that, that you have a chance to select. But you can for some. So I guess, is that one of the big challenges for you in this particular time uh, of the game is trying to get as much information and then try to sift through what information is or is not available? Yeah, I think you, you hit on it right on the head. I, I think trying to layer it on evenly across high school and college players is difficult. We We, we just have more information on the college player, right? We have... We have three years of TrackMan data on Trevor Larnick. We have versus not much. There's some data here and there for the high school player that you might be looking at. So, um, but we we know that certain players need to, you know, strike out a certain amount or walk a certain amount in their college careers in these power conferences. And when they don't, it's 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 room for we we kind of raise the caution flag there on those players. So, um, using all kinds of there's so much out there, and again applying it the right way and using it the right way to make decisions is really my job and the people in the room's job to do so that we're getting better and we have more data every year and our group's been together now this will be our third draft um with a heavy r&d exposure in the room and I, you can see things becoming a little there's more chemistry in the room than there, there was year one just because we're we've been together a long time now so uh, combining and layering on that information, which is what we'll do this week in the draft as we prep for the for the three, three days of the draft, um, is really crucial. I think one of the great misconceptions is that it's either information or scouts, when in fact the reality is it has to be scouts utilizing information. Is that fair? Yeah, and that's what I said from really day one is it's the harmony of the information and the scouts and their opinions blending together. That's really what I'm searching for in the room, trying to get the conversations to, to blend. Do, do this, does the scout like this certain player? Do the numbers support us liking that player? And when they do, that's the player we try to gravitate towards now. And, and it's not always the case. And we have to work through a few of those with some deeper conversations um, because we may have seen a player perform really well. And then the data says these are probably the best days that we were there when when he performed well so um it, it's a blending but i think uh, you know you've seen old school as they call it scouting where it's just eyeballs i go in one day i watch the player play and i tell you if he's good or not um then there's the analytics which say you should just go all stats all you know data and and use that only i think both of those are kind of uh old school ways to do it and neither one makes sense on their own but the combining of both is, is kind of the sweet spot now one of the things i've always wondered about and sean johnson is our guest does an outstanding job as he will make the call and the selection for the twins in the draft day one is tomorrow it runs through wednesday and the draft such a a vital part of restocking a farm system uh and keeping uh, sustainable success throughout an organization and, Sean, one of the things that I'm always interested in is uh, the way that youth baseball is played in the United States right now has gravitated so much toward showcases and all-star events and guys hip-hopping around and playing with other talented players for a weekend and then they're gone again, as opposed to just grinding out with your schoolmates or uh, the guys you play American Legion ball with. 
it's a different kind of baseball if you're at a showcase than if you're just trying to grind through a season with teammates. And is that something that you guys have to figure out how to juggle once you've identified obvious talent in terms of how that talent manifests itself in, in actual team competition? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, it's really a, a – I don't know. I, I don't love the fact that kids have to play specialized sports all year round. They have to be – you know, if they're not on a certain travel team, then they're going to get left behind, quote-unquote – I don't really buy into that. So, I, um, you know, these guys are – I think the problem is most players are geared to, you know, for a pitcher, for example, I've got to throw hard to get a scholarship, mm-hmm. which, be, which is being offered to high school players. It's their freshman and sophomore years of high school now, which blows my mind, but that's where things are at now these days. So um, they're, they're wired to throw harder and harder at an earlier age, and then now we're seeing that there's more injuries to – to arms guys who threw you know if you look at the record of track record of guys who threw 100 miles an hour in high school those guys aren't the best guys in the big leagues right now you know those are guys it's the guys who grew into their bodies at a slower pace but and then figured things out so that's a tough spot for me i i I mean i know that that's the the push is to do every showcase and go on every travel team but I, i don't know that we love the fact that guys have to do that to get where they want whether it's a college scholarship or to get drafted, but that's just where we're at today. Yeah, and it's funny because you hear it all the time, but then you go to a big league game, you stand in the dugout, and almost every guy in that dugout played a bunch of other sports uh, because these guys are physically just freaks. They're uh, exceptional at so many other things. Do you ever watch guys at other sports? Uh, I know there are a lot of stories about, hey, we drafted uh, Jim Tomey because we watched him play basketball in addition to his baseball skills. Will you find yourself watching a kid you know, in, in a gymnasium or on a football field? Sure. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, you're not. You're going to usually see the guy because you want to know more about how the guy competes. And that's one thing that we're really big on is if we get this player in the draft and we give him some money, is he going to compete? Is he going to grind? Is he going to overcome adversity? And just by watching a guy play other sports, team sports specifically, uh, how they relate to the teammates, uh, how do they compete when things are tough? Uh, do they have any advert? You know, can they? Is do they have any grit? Uh, things like that are the things that we're looking for that you can't always see. It. You know, you're hopefully you're seeing it in a on a baseball field, but it's nice to go support that that uh, opinion when you see them play other sports. That's great stuff. Sean Johnson is our guest, giving us some time in his very very busy week building up to the draft. We'll take a break. Back with more with Sean Johnson when we return. The Inside Twins on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. Memories going to be created for a whole batch of new pro ball players coming up in the next three days with the Major League Draft happening Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Sean Johnson will make those selections for the Twins, and he's kind enough to join us here. And, Sean, uh, we're talking about some of the things you look for, how you process information. Uh, One of the things I'm also always curious about, because for you and your scouts, it's nonstop. The draft is going to happen the next three days. You're already thinking about, you know, the next group of, uh, of players out there. Do you ever have a chance to go back through your previous years and say, hey, our board set up like this three years ago. Let's see where those players are. Were we on? Were we off? Why did we miss? Uh, not just the players you got to pick, but players uh, in terms of how you had them rated. Do you guys do that? Yeah, and I, I think it's a, it's important to go back and look at your mistakes. And, and that's just part of being an amateur scout is you're going you're gonna to be right a lot and you're going to be wrong probably a lot more. So having a, 
I preach humility to our guys every day. I mean, they probably get tired of me saying that, but you know, overconfidence I think is a is a thing that can set you back in decision making. And um, so I think we need to take a humble approach to it every year. And part of that is going back and saying, where do we go right? Where do we go wrong? What could we have done differently? And you know, obviously things get clearer. It's easier to 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 uh, you know, get on a pick that you made five years ago because it didn't work out right. But at the time, it felt like the right process. So I think having the right process every year in the draft and, and making sure that we make decisions that make sense, um, at least at moment in time, is really the goal. Now, these, you know, predicting per- future performance of an 18-year-old, you know, American male is very difficult, right? We're, we want to know what they're going to be like in 20, 24 and 25, and predicting that isn't, isn't easy. Guys get hurt. They, uh, their makeup may not have been what we thought it was. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So we know we're not going to just drill every single draft, but I think our goal is to really make good decisions every year. And, again, with the help of our, our R&D and then our staff, I mean, if you're in a room with Darren Johnson and Mike Radcliffe and the Tim O'Neills of the world and we have great supervisors and, and area scouts, uh, you just – you know, it gives me a lot of confidence going in there that, that we're going to make good decisions over the next couple of days. And that's such a unique environment, too, because you mentioned the chemistry is outstanding in your room. And you've got three different guys in that room, and you just named the other two, who have been in your chair. Uh, so between all of you, you've kind of seen it all, uh, even though this is, what, four, year four for you or year three for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, having the experience of, of, you know, especially Mike and Darren, they've been around the block a few times. Um, and we've got a nice blend of guys who are who are just starting out in their scouting careers, and being able to work with and develop those guys every every uh, year has been a lot of fun for me. And I know the supervisors who we've had that have been around a while. So we've got a nice blend of young and old, and new and experienced. And and but like like I said, I I get a lot of confidence knowing that those guys are in the room, and uh, they they've seen it all, and, they, and their experience is you know so helpful for me. One of the other blending elements that I think has really been a boon over the course of the last several years with your room is development guys and scouts uh, together, uh, as opposed to in some organizations in years past, we, well, we drafted the wrong guy, that's why we didn't develop him, or we drafted the right guy and he didn't get developed right. You guys have this symbiotic relationship uh, in terms of fusing, hey, if you get that guy, here's what we do with him, and, and so on down the line. And, and I have to think that moving forward, it's it's crazy to think that that didn't happen uh, more often or for a longer time before. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know that's one of Derek and Thad's initiatives when they came in was to create that synergistic, you know, effect with scouting and player development. I, I think we've we've been at a good level, and I think it just grows by the year. Um, I love working with you know Jay Z and Alex on the on the PD side, and and all the coaches and coordinators that we have. So. You know, just as a, an example for this draft, I've I've given a list of targeted players that we like in the first few rounds, and you know whether it be hitters or or pitchers, and given them to our our pitching coordinators, our hitting coordinators, and any other coaches that wanted to participate, because um, we want their opinions. Uh, they look at swings and deliveries every day, so let's get their opinion and take on these players. We we have a meeting during spring training about halfway through the spring, where we'll. Um, show some video of players that we were like that think might be in our in our mix for our pick and uh, we've done that the last three years and that's been really helpful to get their opinion uh, you know because we stare at these players and 
we stare at our lists every day of the year. And these guys have a little less focus on, you know, they're worried about the guys we have in our system, but they're also in tune with what we're doing on the draft side. So pulling all these different opinions and then, again, layering in R&D data and information, we have a, I think we truly have a holistic approach to every player on the draft list, and, and we feel prepared to take any of them. All right, John, you got holistic in, but you haven't used collaborative yet. We got one more segment left for you to get collaborative in. You did synergistic yep. was close. was very good. Yeah, that's, I went off on my own there. Yeah, that wasn't even. <laughs> we'll take one more break with Sean Johnson. We'll come back and talk a little bit more specifically about the challenges of picking 13th and what draft day is actually like in the room. That's next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. One final segment, a reminder, baseball coming up next from the Trop in St. Petersburg. Twins and the Rays wrap up a series and then the Twins head to Cleveland. Draft day is tomorrow, while the Twins enjoy the off day in Cleveland, and Sean Johnson will not be having an off day. It'll be very much an on day, as the Twins will pick 13th overall. Sean, kind enough to join us, and challenges there at 13, man. When you selected Royce Lewis, you knew you had your pick of the entire crop, a little different with Trevor Larnick last year. And 13, boy, there are a billion different variables, especially this year, Sean, in a draft that doesn't seem to have a ton of sure things. Yeah, picking 13 is, is definitely different than 1 or even 20. Um, I may not seem like it's all the first round, but if you're in the top five or six picks, especially this draft, you know you're getting a performer, a tooled-out guy who's probably a surefire pick. And then beyond that, it, I think it kind of levels off. But we, we think there's a lot of good depth in this draft. We're excited about who we're going to get at 13. We think we'll have a lot of different options and ways we can go. And then having pick 39 gives us a little more flexibility with our, our, uh, you know, our pool money. And so we're, we're, we're really excited for this draft and, and to see what shakes out. As you're actually in the room and the first 12 picks are peeling off the board, will you just have a list and say, we listed 13 dudes and the top one that's left is the guy we're picking, or will you still be jumping around a little bit? And what is that process like? Well, I, by that point, you know, this. by the time the draft starts, we'll have done pretty much every scenario that could happen. We know there's a there's probably four or five guys that are for sure gone. Beyond that, I'm not sure at this point. Um, so we'll prepare for every scenario. So that's however many that is. Um, if this player makes it, we'll take this player. If this player's gone, we'll take this player. Now, now if both those guys are gone, then maybe we switch to a different game plan altogether. So to be determined, we, we never know how it's going to unfold. But, yeah, you need at least 13 names, even though usually you don't lose all 13. You don't get – you know, your board doesn't usually get wiped out like that. Usually there's an oddball guy or two that we didn't like as much that the industry liked, and then they slide in there, which is what you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. But in the event that doesn't happen, um, we'll, we'll be ready for – We'll be ready for sure, you know, on, on which game plan we're going to take. Now, that might be plan A, B, C, or, or D, so to be determined. When the clock is ticking on you, the Twins are on the clock. You've got a lot of voices in the room. You encourage a lot of discussion. Scouts are going to want to sell their guys who are in that mix of the couple players maybe that you've narrowed it down to. And then is there a moment where they all just look at you and it goes silent and it's on you to make the call? Um. It's something like that. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I'm. It's supposed to be my selection, my my final say. But I'm listening to so many people and getting so many opinions before that. And it's important to me that everyone has their at least has their say heard. 
Now, I'm just trying to do the make the pick that makes the most sense that we all like, that our player development likes, that all 40 people in the room like, which is impossible. I know that. That's gonna, there's gonna, be, I'm gonna make a pick that someone in the room is not gonna like. Now I'm used to that at this point. Now, year <laughs> one, that's like, I don't like to let people down, so that was kind of hard for me. But now I'm, I've gotten a little more used to it. But look, someone's got to make a decision, and it's got to be me. And um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll make the decision, like I said, that that makes the most sense. And hopefully it's a player that everyone likes, or at least a majority of our group does. And uh, the focus will be on 13 and 39, but uh, organizations sustain themselves, what, rounds 3 through three through 12, don't they? Sure. I, th- I think, you know, I, I think you've said it right. You need, you know, if you look at some of our, our drafts the last few years, we've. I think you usually have to get your, your, your position players come from the first couple of rounds usually, and I think pitching can come from, the first round, it can come from the fifth round, the eighth round, the tenth round, and beyond. Not the hitters can either, but uh, I think you see us go more position players early in the draft because that's just where they go, and that's where the guys on TV come from, uh, mm-hmm. by and large. So we're, we've got some minor league talent, you know, that we've taken not in the first or second round. That's uh, you know Jordan Belazovic for for one example. I mean, he's coming on strong. We didn't take him close. We took him on the middle of day two. So. Guys can get better, uh, especially in the pitching ranks. Um, and I think you'll see that's why we, we kind of lean towards hitters in the first couple rounds, um, just because they're, they're just not there in the eighth round like a pitcher might be. That's great stuff from Sean Johnson. Sean, we look forward to catching up with you after the draft. Good luck, my friend. Thanks very much for having me on. This has been Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. The pregame lineup card's next on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer made in minnesota it's how memories are created and legends are made this has been a presentation of the treasure island baseball network